This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gunners all back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal Transfer Show. You join me as we inch towards the last few days of the window. In fact, there's just over 10 days left. It has been an incredibly long and arduous trip that we've taken, but it is coming towards a very merciful end. Uh, episode 108 is today's show. We've been doing it for that long, so please do show your support by dropping a like on today's video and subscribing to the channel. If you're new around here, we're going to be continuing to do shows throughout the entire season. I may even have a plan to continue 8am shows uh, into the new season as well. So if you've been enjoying this being part of your morning routine, or wherever you are in the world, of course, 8am uh, in the UK, uh, then do let me know if this is the type of thing that you'd want to continue with just Arsenal news throughout the season, injuries, of course, team news, etc. I think it might be something quite good to continue throughout the season and, you know, just keep me getting up early, focused, ready for the day at 8am. I think it's important. I think it's become part of my routine as well. It may need to continue in a much more casual way, in the sense that if I'm on holiday, I'm not going to sit in a hotel room and do the shows like I have been. That, that is true commitment, but maybe we'll be a little bit more relaxed with them. Anyway, let's crack on with the first news story of the day. And we kick off with a story about Joe Willock talking about Eddie Nketiah and Reese Nelson, who at the moment are, of course, uh, are at the moment. Why is my is my microphone? Oh, that's why. Because it's, it's, it's saying it's not plugged in, which is annoying. It's right here, the one that I want to be using. I've plugged the microphone in, and for some reason, it's not showing up. Why, I don't know. Is it showing up now? Yes, it is. Okay. Very strange. You plug things in and they don't work. So hopefully you can hear me properly now. Um, anyway, our first story. Eddie Nketiah, uh, Reese Nelson, Joe Willock. Joe Willock, of course, has joined um, Newcastle. 
And we know that he's a player that a lot of us would have reluctantly have let go of. I know some people, including myself, to be fair, were quite happy with the fee that we got. But if it was that we were able to move on a lot more players than just this, we may have seen Joe Willock stay. Now, Eddie and Ketty and Reese Nelson's futures are still very much up in the air. But doing an interview in the Northeast, uh, Joe Willock said that he would be putting a good word into Newcastle about uh, Eddie and Ketty in particular. And maybe that is a possible route. Of course, Newcastle's striking situation is intriguing. You know, we have Callum Wilson there, who's obviously a very competent goal scorer. But then you've got Joel Linton, who, well, he isn't a competent goal scorer. But uh, Nketiah does have a fair few goals on him. And maybe uh, he can be the difference maker for them from a kind of backup standpoint with Callum Wilson suffering with regular injuries. Maybe they'll be interested in bringing in the young England youth international. But that's what Joe Willock's been saying about putting in a good word for our young striker. We now move on to Mohamed Elneny, who spent time, of course, on loan at Besiktas during the 1920 season and could yet return with Besiktas supposedly interested in signing the Egyptian 29-year-old central midfielder. Now, I don't know if you've seen this, but if you haven't, I implore you to go and do so. But Mishi Batshuayi has just signed for Besiktas. And if you've not seen their signing video for the Belgian striker, do go and watch it. Because it is one of the best and most ridiculous signing videos that you will ever see. So please make sure you check that out. I'm almost in favour of sending uh, El Neni to Besiktas just to see his signing video. I mean... Elneny, I'm trying to think of any puns to use of his name. Batshuayi, of course, they went down the Batman route. Um, but I'm not sure what you would do for Elneny. Maybe we can come up with some ideas uh, in the chat. <laughs> but Elneny linked with a move back to Besiktas. Of course, his chances at Arsenal are fairly limited uh, with Thomas Partey being there, Sambi Lekonga coming in, Megal Aziz coming through, uh, Granite Xhaka signing a new deal. Um, some would say that arguably, unless we sign another central midfielder, he's good to have him there as depth, just in, uh, just in case. But I would rather see us, I think, with the last year of his deal. If we can get some money for him, that would be beneficial for the team moving forwards. Now we move on to the possible ins. And a name that has resurfaced after a few weeks, uh, a couple of months, kind of on the back burner, and that's Vanderson, 20-year-old Brazilian right-back playing for Gremio. Of course, we know that Arsenal are interested in improving that right-back position. And uh, Vanderson has been brought up once again as a interested uh, kind of client option for Arsenal to be looking at this summer with very few, well, not even weeks, days left of the window. I'm not sure this is the right back that we should or would go for. 20 years of age, very, very young. I would like to see us go for someone a, a, quite a bit more experienced, to be honest. Speaking of which, another alternative at the right-back position has been Kieran Trippier. Chris Wheatley at Football London this morning reported that Arsenal are you know, looking to conduct more business and used the words genuine opportunity regarding a swap deal between Hector Bellerin and Kieran Trippier and Atletico Madrid. So that is still something that could yet happen. Um, this summer. We will wait and see to see how it does indeed progress. I am very in favour of this. I like Kieran Trippier a lot. I think he provides a lot of experience, a lot of quality. His deliveries into the box are excellent. He's a great set piece taker as well. Of course, we know his pedigree of winning La Liga with Atletico Madrid. His forays with England as well in the World Cup semi-final and a European Championship final. Uh, we know that he is a, a quality player. 
And I think anyway that he would certainly add a lot of quality to Arsenal's right-hand side. People kind of get very bogged down with the idea that we shouldn't be going for kind of this 30-year-old plus type of player. But when you're in a position in the team of which right-back we have plenty of options and you've got some very talented young guys coming through like Norton Cuffey, for instance... I think this is an absolutely fine deal to do personally. And it would definitely, you know, sort us out for the next two to three seasons in that position. And then you can revisit the right back role at a later time when maybe some more options are available in the role. But genuine possibility of a swap deal between Atletico Madrid and Bellerin is still there if it is to take place. We'll keep an eye on that one. Now, our Panama story of the day does revolve around Aaron Ramsdale. Now, Aaron Ramsdale, of course, uh, we know now, looks to be very close to joining Arsenal and an announcement could be coming very soon. £24 million with about £6 million in add-ons taking the deal to a maximum 30. Originally, Sheffield United wants a figure in the region of £40 million, so Arsenal have managed to get that down by about 16 and then of course you then add on the six if those uh, kind of add-ons take place which would require Ramsdale to become the number one which for me is the long-term thinking behind Ramsdale 23 years of age he will push through to become one of Arsenal's first team goalkeepers and the first team goalkeeper I imagine Burton Leno's future has been very much up in the air he only has two years left on his deal and has talked about new adventures here and there so Leno could yet leave in the upcoming windows in the years to come and I do want to take a moment to address things that I know that you would have seen yesterday on your social media fees, absolutely. And what is really frustrating is that so-called fans, and I use that phrase not lightly, but absolutely spot on because they are so-called Arsenal fans, think that it's appropriate to send a player abuse on social media telling him not to join Arsenal and using a hell of a lot of expletives that I won't repeat on the show. I just really struggle to get into the mindset. I, I, like, I understand that you may not want Ramsdale to come, but the players that you do want Arsenal to sign, do you think that when they see the messages that you've sent go viral on social media, they're going to want to come to Arsenal? that it's going to put the club into a light of which, oh, this is a club in which the fan base really supports its players and the players that are possibly coming into the team. It's such a backwards way of thinking. It's frankly embarrassing. And if you see it, please, please report it. Um, I mean, arguably, sharing the image on social media is is good and bad because obviously it does raise the profile of it. I've I've been considering doing a piece on it, to be honest, to, to highlight it. But then I'm kind of torn about the idea of, of highlighting the abuse further. But I think it's if you do it in the right way um, and, you know, and doing a supportive way towards Ramsdale. At the end of the day, this guy's going to be pulling on the red and white, the colours that we wear and we support every single day for our club. And <laughs> he has to be supported because if he does come into the team and start... I want him to be putting in the absolute best performances feasibly possible for Arsenal. And is that really going to be 100% possible if we're not all behind him in that red and white shirt before he's even caught a ball for the club, saved a shot, and we're already slamming into him? I want to go into some deep dives about Aaron Ramsdale, really highlight some of the positives in his game. And I'm certainly going to be planning on doing that. Um, but it is important that we... You know, you need to be reporting these people. You need to be calling them out. You need to be making sure that they're blocked, muted, moved on from. 
And hopefully we can do that. Thankfully, we've built a very good community here at TGT, and I know a lot of you will support that. So there you go. Fingers crossed for Aaron Ramsdale, and the best of luck to him when he seemingly will, of course, join the club. We move on to the final story of the day and Martin Udegaard. Now, the story broke last night and yesterday evening and afternoon that the number one priority uh, of the summer, as Fabrizio has been claiming all summer, along with a number of other outlets as well, um, will be joining Arsenal. And that an announcement could have even have take, taken place last night. It didn't. Um, he was at London Colney yesterday. Chris Wheatley revealed that he left London Colney after completing his media duties. Uh, that is expected that the, the, the photography, the videos and that sort of kind of thing would have been done and the interviews taken place. And so hopefully today we will see a announcement, fingers crossed. And the idea is that he could even be ready and available for the Chelsea game on Sunday, which would be fantastic. He is a quality player. He adds a lot of quality to our team. He's creative. He's fantastic passing into the box and finding his teammates. I mean, when you look at the statistics, they are very impressive. In fact, I implore you, link is in the description. Please do go and read uh, my article that went up on Football London yesterday about uh, Martin Udegaard and how his partnership with Emil Smith-Rowe is set to be rekindled and how those two performed last season together and what they did. There's lots of tactical insight and videos looking in particular at the North London derby in which Martin Udegaard scored, of course, in. And I really want to get around this kind of this myth that he's not a goal scoring midfielder. I wouldn't describe him as um, kind of, you know, you, you, a level of, say, a Joe Willock that's scoring lots of goals at the moment. But when you look at how many goals he scored at Real Sociedad, you look at how many goals he scored at Vitesse, he scores for midfield. He's not, I expect after a, like six months, what he's had now, going into full season, hopefully we can see a lot more strikes on goal from the Norwegian. He's a captain, he's a leader, he's someone that will add a lot of difference to our team creativity priority goals are there he has got a lot of quality to his game and i think people just need to really get over the fact that we didn't sign james madison i would have preferred james madison for sure i think he's a better player but not by a long long way whatsoever and i think that erdogan is still a very very good player that we got by the way for a ridiculously good price the fact that emmy buendia went to aston villa for more the fact that leon bailey went to aston villa for around the same price what a good deal for Arsenal. Great bit of business by the club. And I can't wait to see him in the red and white, hopefully, this weekend. Ron Raj, thank you so much for the donation, mate. He says, was looking at some of the deals over the last two years. Player amortisation, a big part of the onboarding process and really helps with balancing the sheets. Odegaard deal will have a healthy schedule. Thank you, Ron Raj, for that insight and the support as well, uh, who also says, and thanks for the videos and keep up the good work. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate the support from yourself and uh, it wouldn't be possible without it. So thank you very much. Let's move on to the final part of the show, which is, of course, your thoughts, your feelings, your questions and your theories. Let's have them in the chat and we'll be going through as many as we feasibly can. If you have a question about the end of the window, who you think we might be signing, let us know. From what we're kind of understanding of Football London is that Arsenal's business is not done and that they still want to complete some deals, that deals going out of the club are certainly going to be, you know, picking up speed as the final week approaches. And depending on who leaves, be it Bellerin, be it maybe even a forward, Arsenal may react to that and push into the market to bring in reinforcement to other positions. I've said for a long, long time, I predicted three more signings. It looks like two of those are going to be happening with Erdogan and Ramsdale. I predict one more is is what I'm thinking. It could even be more than that. It may not be the third. We'll wait and see. But there is a lot 
to be hopeful about as we go into the final days of the window. Uh, let's go to Alejandro, who says, what is the obsession with Madison? I can't understand it. I think it's because, obviously, Madison is, is a good player. Madison's a very good player. And when you see reports and speculation, let's call it, that Arsenal have been talking to him and that they're very keen on him and that he was the priority, supposedly, when he wasn't, um, that that's obviously going to build up a bit of a hope complex amongst fans. And so they start really getting on board with this and really supportive of this. And they see, say, the AFC Bell, who obviously was very much on the party and got that spot on last season. But when it's reported this season for Madison, you get your hopes very high because, you know, you've been put into this sense of of, of hope that you think that anything reported in that sense has got a real chance of happening. It doesn't. And then the alternative gets slammed. And that's what's happened with Madison and with Erdegaard. So, uh, yeah, that's the situation with those two. Uh, Rahil says, if Aubameyang and Lacazette is going to stay, then we must go for a right back. But I haven't seen any concrete links. It's because of Bellerin's presence, Rahil. As long as Bellerin's still here, it's really unlikely you're going to see those big links with a right back. If Bellerin has moved on, then maybe we'll see some of those links crop up. Wes says, Tom, what do you think of Weston McKenney? He's apparently sellable. I like Weston McKenney. I think he was a good player at Schalke and has gone on to Juventus and continued his development. I thought that was a big step up from Schalke to, to Juventus and maybe it wasn't the, the, next, the right next step for him. But I still think he's a good player. Would I take him? Depending on if we moved on, say, Elneny, he could be a good squad player for our team. Um, but I think I'd rather wait and go for a player like a Bruno Gimaraes over, over a McKenney. Uh, let's scroll down a little bit more. Uh, Kina says, Tom, what do you think about Calvert-Lewin? I saw some reports that Arsenal have made an approach. Obviously, if there was an opportunity to get Calvert-Lewin, it would require us to move on one of our current strikers. But absolutely, I would take him. I think he's a quality striker. I think he's someone that's averse in the Premier League already. And that would definitely add a lot of quality and verticality to our team and heading ability to our team as well. Uh, Neil De Souza says the experienced players that we have are so average. We as fans are far off of kind of the players of 28 years of age, players like Sabitzer and Marcelo Brozovic. It does seem that the players that are of uh, you know 28 years and older, besides Partey, are questionable. Lacazette and Abamyang. Lacazette, I think, is a much harder time than he deserves. I think he needs a lot more service than he's getting. Aubameyang has certainly diminished, um, but I think that the fact that he's been played out of position has not been positive for him whatsoever. And then you've got William, you've got Cedric, you've got Granit Xhaka, players that have faced a hell of a lot of criticism during their time at the club, which is why I'm very kind of in favour of improving that. In trying to turn that mindset of around of players of 28 years and over, I don't think you can stay hung up on those kinds of players. And if there's an opportunity to bring in a player of Trippier's quality, I would do it because I think that hopefully it would change the mindset of some about, you know, bringing in experience and ensuring you've got that. It's also a big thing about Arsenal trying to get players that continue on into their 30s. So Thomas Partey, for instance, having that kind of figure. You look at Man United, Liverpool, Leicester, even uh, Chelsea, these teams have key figures in their starting 11s that are well over the age of 30. Uh, and I think Arsenal should, you know, look to have that kind of real key foundation of inexperience, which then those young players have someone to look up to in the team. It's important to balance your squad. And that's something that we don't have. We have a very unbalanced squad at the moment. Christian says, even with all the signings we might make, can you see us having any success if Arteta is still the manager? 
ultimately, Christian, it's the, that's the biggest question, is can Arteta take this team forward? Can he take these players forward through the season? Can he improve them? Can he get the best from them? My feeling is I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of reservations, a lot of... I'm really quite apprehensive about the season under Mikel Arteta and his style of play and what he's doing with the players. I hope he succeeds. There's nothing more I want for him to prove me wrong right now and for him to really turn things around. I'd love that to happen because it means that Arsenal would be succeeding. But I have a lot of reservations. But I can only wait until the next game and then make some analysis and assessment after that. I'm going to be in London on Sunday uh, doing some work for Football London. I'm going to be at the game. We're going to be looking at the protests and seeing what goes on with that and speaking to some fans that are outside the ground. So if you're going, um, I look forward to, to seeing you there. Uh, let's go to uh, Adam, who says, we now have 12 homegrown players. Could four go? That tallies with Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Ketia Nelson-Bellerin. Four non-homegrown players over the age of 25 to go, like Kolasinac, Willian, Runison and Lucas Torreira. Look, the whole homegrown, non-homegrown thing, as long as you have no more than 17 non-homegrown players in your team, you're fine. As long as that is the case, there's nothing to be concerned about. It doesn't matter how many homegrown players you have, you just need no more than 17. Now, I think that the, the league will eventually look to reduce that probably to 15 non-homegrown uh, players, or rather non-homegrown players, and so that's why I think Arsenal are pushing ahead with plans to kind of sign up these homegrown players like Ben White, etc., Ramsdale too. So I think that's why we're moving in that direction. But I think we have hope that some of these players that you name there, Adam, will be moving on uh, before the end of the window. So there you go. Uh, let's go to Manu, who says, how confident were you and the club that uh, Martin Odegaard would sign the following season when his loan ended. Are you open to these kinds of loan deals again in the future where there's a loan without an option? Look, Manu, always when you loan a player with no option, there's a risk associated for the club that's getting them on loan. They might absolutely smash it. They might have a brilliant time and then you aren't able to keep hold of them. And that that's just part and parcel of the loan process. And that's why these options and these obligations have started to emerge because clubs want to protect themselves more against that happening. Arsenal weren't able to do that with Martin Odegaard. They weren't able to do that. Newcastle weren't able to do that with Joe Willock last season. And yet we've seen two deals happen where the player have gone on loan, Odegaard to us, Willock to Newcastle, and they've then subsequently joined those teams on permanent deals. Now, Odegaard is just one year older than Joe Willock, you have to remember. And it's it's... I think it's it's strange to look at those two as as only a year apart in age because they seem quite quite far different in their levels of development. I feel that like Odegaard is much more developed, despite being one year older than Joe Willock, um, and I think that's why it's another good move for Arsenal. They've managed to sign him up for just five million pounds more than we sold Joe Willock for. So, for me. I would do a loan again, especially if it was for a position that we desperately needed. Uh, if we needed to bring in some reinforcements in the striking area, say to bring in a striker for, uh, for for 12 months without an obligation, without an option. I think you should always strive to include an option in any loan deal. So you've got a bit more control with that. If it's not possible, I wouldn't be against it. But it does come with its associated risk, as always, with a loan deal. So there you go. Uh, Clive, good to have you in the chat, my friends. I'm sure we'll see you on the channel very soon. It says Arteta has bought his project, which demands time to execute. Will fans wait? I'm not sure, and I agree. I don't think fans will wait. I don't think I will wait, Clive. I, 
the thing is, I think that we're in a, a situation with the league and with how other teams are around us. And when I see other teams around us, I mean your Aston Villas of this world, they're not waiting. They're not going to wait for Arsenal's project. They're going to start targeting our players like we did this, like they saw with this season with Emil Smith Rowe. We need time for these young players. We've got to mature if we aren't going to add some quality, experienced heads into the team. And I'm not sure that Arteta has even got the ability to get this team to the end of what he foresees as his project. Personally, I'm not sure people will wait. And I think it would turn very nasty very quickly as we have come to experience at the club. But we can only wait and see, Clive, at the end of the day. We can only wait and see. Uh, Willie says, uh, morning, Tom. Do you think Arsenal should come out and tell the truth if there is a problem with Aubameyang? And Lacazette. Look, this is always kind of a, a contradictory thing, isn't it? Because Arteta has been criticised in the past for throwing players like Pepe and Aubameyang under the bus. Pepe threw under the bus after his red card against Leeds. Aubameyang kind of threw under the bus um, against Spurs in the North London derby. And Arteta was criticised for that. And now when he's being more secretive or maybe he's, you know, hiding the truth with lies about what there's actually going on, even if it is, I, I, my prediction is they are actually both ill. I genuinely think they're both ill. So call me naive, but that's how I feel. Um, I, I, I'm not going to criticise a situation where they're keeping information behind closed doors. Fans desperately want to know everything that's going on, but if they want to keep it behind closed doors to keep things harmonious and to not throw players under the bus after we've criticised that in the past, I can't have a go at them for doing that. It wouldn't make any sense to do that, if it makes sense. Um, Jahan says, Tom, is Ramsdale better than Matt Ryan? I, I believe he is, yes. Uh, Steph says, Tom, tell me, apart from Gundogan, what team's midfield score goals? Because Liverpool doesn't, Chelsea doesn't, Barca's midfield, even Bayern. So what are these fans' obsession about goal-scoring midfielders? Um, I think when you look at each case in point, Liverpool score a lot of goals from their front three. Um, Salah and Mane, and then you have Firmino and Jota as their main goal scorers. You're right. You don't see loads of goals from elsewhere on the pitch. You go into Manchester United, Bruno Fernandes scores a lot of goals from midfield. A lot of goals. Paul Pogba scores goals. The other day, we saw Fred pop up with a goal against Leeds. You go into Chelsea, Mason Mount scores goals. And they play of a different system without kind of out-and-out out wingers, Chelsea, compared to, say, Liverpool, they have more attacking midfielders in wide areas, like Mount, like Ziyech, like Kai Havertz. It's kind of like Kai Havertz is in the midfield. You know what I mean? He's kind of your, your, your second striker is probably the best uh, description I would use. But they still score from midfields. Pulisic scores. Um, let's go into uh, Manchester City. Phil Foden scores goals. Grealish will score goals. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne scores goals. These are all midfielders. Um, they're not strikers. They're not forwards. They're, they're midfielders. So, Steph, I do think that it's not necessarily an obsession. I think it's something that Arsenal fans have recognised, that we are too one-dimensional and that most of our goals are only coming from our striker. Not even the wide areas. Like you say, you use Liverpool as an example there. Uh, did you? Sorry, yeah, you did use Liverpool as an example. Salah and Mane scored a lot of their goals. Not Mane necessarily last season, but Jota did too from wider areas. And I think that's what Arsenal lack. Pepe pops up with with goals, but it's only really him. Saka didn't get enough goals last season. Smith Rowe didn't get enough goals last season, even in the six months that he was there. Erdogan didn't get enough goals in the six months that he was there. We do need more goals from midfield if we're going to hope to try and beat these teams. 
And the problem is, is we're not creating enough for our striker who seemingly is the most likely to score of any player on the pitch. So there is a few issues, Steph. I see your point, but I do think that maybe you've underestimated some of the areas of, of the of, of the teams that you've named and how many goals are scored from those midfields. But I think it's important that we do focus on increasing goal output from the midfield because it's something that we, I think, is under underestimated by the current coaching staff, not the fan base, that's for sure. Um, Machiavelli says, uh, Arteta doesn't have a good record in dealing with youngsters. Does, does he not? Smith Rowe, Saka... Gabriel was 22 when he came in. Erdogan was 22 when he came in, improved. I I don't agree with that. I mean, and I'm someone who's, you know, I'm, I would change coach. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad record. Reese and Nketiah are weird. Like, because I don't think many Arsenal fans would start Reese Nelson and Nketiah in the Arsenal team. Saliba, sure. I think the, the club messed up massively with that. Genduzi is a rogue, he's a, he's a rogue option. Like, the thing with Genduzi is, no matter how much you like the guy or his ability, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna fall in line, if you're not gonna be part of the squad, if you're gonna fight against the manager and the coaching staff, then it's, you're not gonna you're not gonna play, no matter how you feel about him. So I don't agree with you about the record of dealing with youngsters because Saka's improved, Smith Rowe's improved, Gabriel has played well, Erdogan improved the team when he came in. They signed him in that position too. I I don't agree with that point. Um, that he's not good with youngsters. Because if he wasn't, why on earth would these young kids be signing new contracts? Balogun, why would he sign a new deal if he thought the coaches at the club's bad with young guys? Why would Sambi Lakonga join Arsenal as a 21-year-old and then get a start in the first Premier League game of the season if Arteta is not good with youngsters? So I don't agree with your point. Um Sorry, <laughs> but I'm not going to sit here and lie. I don't agree with it. Uh, Andrew says, keep the 8 a.m. shows. You know it's something to listen on the way to work. Fair play to you for the consistency. Takes some doing. Bigger channels have tried and failed. Thank you so much, uh, Andrew. Really appreciate it. I'm going to I'm going to try. I'm going to try and commit to this. Obviously, I will have some shifts where I start earlier in the down. I won't be able to. But I'm going to try and push forward with these 8 a.m. shows. We'll see what they turn into. Uh, Wilson, there is no update on Alwar or Max Ahrens. Uh, none whatsoever. The only update on Alwar we talked about yesterday is that Leon are very much wanting to move him on. So so there's that to take into consideration. Game Boy says, uh, any news about Emerson? Uh, only the news that Arsenal have him on a list. That's pretty much it. That they're aware of him, that they're, that they're interested, but there's nothing. Nothing's been done because Bellerin's still here. And until Bellerin goes, that's not going to change. Uh, Jack says, imagine actually qualifying for the Champions League and coming up against PSG. If we thought that Bayern game was bad, imagine Neymar and Bappe are messy against us now. I understand your point, Jack, but it's always better to be in the competition than to not, in my opinion. Um, John says, Tom, have you seen the Odegaard documentary on YouTube? Anyone who isn't excited about him signing should definitely watch it. I will check that out, John. I haven't seen it, so I will certainly have a look. I've seen the BBC's one. They did a brief, like, mini-doc. I've seen that. That was very good, but I haven't seen a main documentary at all. Um, Machiavelli says, Tom Saka didn't develop under Arteta and Smith-Rowe was a panic inclusion um, when we were losing. Martinelli has stalled his development. Name one other youngster that has improved. What do you mean? I don't know. Saka's definitely improved. I mean, he was in bloody England squads. <laughs> if, he was, if he wasn't improving and playing, he wouldn't be in the England squads. He had a better season last season than his seasons prior. 
Martinelli is stalled, absolutely. But I don't know where Martinelli gets into the team last season. Like, if you're going to play Saka and you're going to play Pepe, and he was only available for the second half of last season, and I think Saka and Pepe, we can all agree, are the people that should be starting in the wide areas. You can maybe start Martinelli at striker. And to be fair to Arteta, he tried it against Fulham, and Martinelli didn't take that chance. He started him against Brentford the other day. And I thought Martinelli really struggled in that game. I didn't really know what he was doing. Now, I like Martinelli a lot, and I think he's got a big potential at the club. But you, he needs to specialise. We we do need to give him more minutes, but I don't know how he gets in so easily. Smith Rowe, I absolutely disagree with you on that. He was brought in against Chelsea. He came off the bench in the game prior to that game. Joe Willock has played at number 10 several times before that Chelsea game and was on the bench for the Chelsea game. Arteta included Smith Rowe out of choice. It wasn't a case of being forced to. He could have played Joe Willock like he had done previously during the season. He didn't. He chose to play Smith Rowe and benefited from it. He then brought in Martin Erdegaard. And, you know, if you're if it's a case of saying a panic inclusion and he's not the biggest fan of improving Smith Rowe, he would have dropped Smith Rowe. But guess what? He didn't drop Smith Rowe. He played him with Martin Erdegaard and they formed one of the best partnerships of two players we've seen. In fact, it's something I write heavily about in my article on football.london. So make sure you go and check that out. Uh, Mikey says, how much? Uh, how many more signings do you think we will make? I think we're going to do three, mate. Erdegaard, Ramsdale, and one more. That's my prediction. We will wait and see if it comes true. Adam says, Tom, can you do a comparison between Leno and Ramsdale? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll show you one right now. <laughs> I can actually genuinely show you one right now. Let's go stop the screen. Let's share this screen. Go on to different tabs. Here we go. Go check out my piece. Uh, on Football London, comparing Ramsdale and Leno with a lot of statistics, a lot of facts about their games. Go and check it out. Go and give it a read. And uh, yeah, go enjoy it because it's there. You just need to type in... If you type in Tom Canton and Football London, you'll be able to find it on my profile. So yeah, go give it a read, Adam, and uh, you can you can check it out there. Uh, Alejandro says, would you like a 4-3-3 with an attacking left eight, Smithrow, Erdegaard, Saka and Striker? You know, Alejandro, I've been... This is something I've really been racking my brains about trying the formation. The problem with it is I just don't know if we've got a disciplined enough number six because I don't think that Thomas Partey is right to play in a number six role. I don't think that's his best position. I think his best position is a box-to-box. It allows him to get forward. It allows him to be progressive and pass the ball into the final third really well like he does. Remember that pass he played against Sheffield United for Lacazette? Play more of those passes. Play him at six and I think it really restricts him. It really does restrict him. So. In my opinion, I think that we really should be playing Partey. And if you were going to play a 4-3-3 alongside the Smith Rowe, alongside a Martin Odegaard, and then play a number six. Now, who that number six is, could it be Lukonga? Maybe it could. Maybe it could be Lukonga. He did say in his interviews that he can play as a six. As a lone six, I haven't seen him as a lone six, so I couldn't comment. But you never know. Maybe that's something that we could try. Uh, Mr. Uh, Thugi says, isn't buying Odegaard meaning even less game time for Martinelli? And someone will be pushed out of the starting 11, maybe Smith or Pepe. Yes. The simple answer is yes. This is something that I think a lot of fans struggle with because you have your favourites. I have my favourites. You all know I, I love Thomas Partey and I know he starts over pretty much anyone and it's why I've got a shirt of his name on the back. But at the end of the day, if someone came along and was better than Thomas Partey, I would play him. Absolutely. Because it's for the benefit of the team. And signing Martin Erdegaard improves our team. 
putting Smith Rowe on the left wing and Odegaard in the middle. I love that. I love that combination. I love Smith Rowe in a wide area. I think it works and balances things really nicely as a right footer on the left and as Tierney backing him up, overlapping. I I love the way they they work together. I think it's really good. If you put Saka on the right, it makes it even better because you've got a left footer on that side and hopefully we can improve things with a right-footed right back that really gets up the pitch and overlaps Saka as well if he plays on the right. Pepe drops out. Martinelli drops out. And we can rotate and we can change them when we're back in Europe, fingers crossed. We'll need that depth. We'll need more players. We'll need to rotate. So I'm fine with it. You're right that they would push players out, but if it's for the benefit of the team, I'm all for it at the end of the day. Anything that's going to make us better has to be the priority, always. Uh, let's go to Jasha. I haven't answered one of your questions today. It says, Tom, do you think we will sign a defensive midfielder? No, I don't think. I'd be very surprised. I'd be very surprised if we do. I'm not saying, I'm not ruling it out entirely, but I would be very surprised. Yeah, I think 4-2-3-1, Kito, is, is, is probably the best formation, to be honest. Um, I'd be interested to try others. I like the idea of a 3-4-3 if things are going the way they are. I arguably think we should play 3-4-3 against Chelsea. We played it at Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and we won, very fortunately, of course. But we won, it worked. And while we're in the state of play that we have right now, I think that 3-4-3 works. I think it means that you've got wingers that back up your fullbacks and you've got the extra centre-back in there too, which would probably be Kieran Tierney. So for me, I'd go 3-4-3 against Chelsea. Um, I think that's probably the better way to try and tackle that game and to deal with how much quality they've got in a forward, uh, kind of that forward way. Uh, Adnan says, Tom, our fan base has become toxic. Uh, they should try, they should get behind the squad and don't go for personal abuse to players that will affect the image and results of the club. And what's the obsession with uh, the fees? Remember Kepa for 72 million. Look, unfortunately, there are always going to be elements of the fan base that are negative. It's not something you can control. It's not something that I'm going to sit here and, and, and talk about specific people. Like, it is what it is. You can't control them. You can control your own thoughts. You can't control other people's actions. So I'm not going to try and change that. I can put my point of view across. I can have discussions with you guys. I can answer your questions and try and make sense of some of what's been going on. But the toxicity is always going to be there. I feel like it's something that's very much ingrained in our fan base, unfortunately. But let's just try and be you know, positive, um, critical thinking, level-headed as much as feasibly possible. And, uh, and you know, stick to your group. Stick to your... Stick to those people. Stick to those communities. Don't engage with toxicity. It's pointless. Um, Naresh says, Tom, who amongst Aubameyang and Lacazette would you let go before the window closes and who would you bring in? You know, I, I lean towards Aubameyang. I lean towards him because of his age, which I know is count, it's contradictory to me to saying things about ages previously, but he's two years older than a 30-year-old Lacazette. I would extend Lacazette and move on Aubameyang. I just think that everything that's kind of surrounded Aubameyang, what's needed over the last 12 to 18 months, I'm, I'm just not sure about him as, as much as I used to be. So 12 months, not 18 months, I suppose. He won us an FA Cup in that time, which I'm very thankful for. But yeah, I last 12 months has been very difficult. So I would probably... I'd probably, you know, uh, move it, move him on and uh, and extend Lacquer by a year and then bring someone in in a striking position. So there you go. Uh, Wes says, for three, signing Tom, centre forward or right back, what is uh, more important? Right back, absolutely. Right back is so key to the way that we want to play. If you watched the game against Brentford, and I know you all did, 
you should have seen how poor Callum Chambers in the final third was. Defensively, look, he made a couple of mistakes. And look, Callum Chambers is fine as kind of a utility player. He's not a starter. I'm happy with him. And I thought I was happy with him being the right back going into the season. But I was so wrong. Like, I hold my hands up. And I know I said that during preseason. But watching the Brentford game was a penny drop moment. We need to improve the right back. It's so important. It desperately needs improving. And I want to see us bring someone in before the end of the window. It will require Bellerin going. That's what I want to see. And fingers crossed it can happen. And we will wait and see if it indeed does. Thank you guys for tuning in today. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Fingers crossed for our 5 p.m. Q&A show on a Friday, as always. Um, other than that, I'll see you tomorrow morning. And uh, there may be a show this afternoon. We'll wait and see. Tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. for episode 109 of the Transfer Series. Thank you, everyone that's tuned in. Please drop a like before you go on the video. We'd really appreciate it. There's been over a 1,000 of you watching this live. So please make sure you drop a like. Really would appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you as always. See you very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.